Uh, welcome to episode 625 of the only System 12 Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Kaneda, and you know what? It's Christmas season. Mariah declares it every November 1st. She smashed a bunch of pumpkins. Does that mean Halloween is over? Is Halloween pinball over, or is this game going to turn around? On this episode of Kaneda's Pinball Podcast, I want to talk about spooky pinball and only spooky pinball. They were the one company that was very absent from Expo this year. We got to play all of the new games except for Halloween and Ultraman. There was a Halloween up inside one of the suites at the Expo Hotel. I know people were playing it. I spoke to a friend who that was his personal game, and he ended up selling it after playing it a few times. And there were a lot of candid conversations about these games at Expo. And it's funny to me because people come up to me and they tell me how they really feel about this. And then you go on to Pinside, and none of them are honest about their opinions about these games. And then you go on to the thread and it's either people cheerleading because they bought the game or it's people being way too stridently evil about the games themselves. Now here's what I want to do before I talk about what I think is going on with Spooky and these games. Let's do a little history lesson on this company because I think the context is really important. Okay, so Spooky game number one was America's Most Haunted. It was out in March of 2014. This game was pretty much Ben Heck's design. It used the pin heck board that Ben designed. And remember, it was really hard for them to sell this game. It arguably was one of the ugliest pinball machines of all time. I still joke about that with Ben. And they made 150 of these games in 2014. Now remember that date because this company has been around making pinball machines now for seven, almost eight years. And the price for this game was $5,995. Spooky game number two was Rob Zombie's Spook Show International. Came out in February of 2016. It was designed by Charlie Emery, Ben Heck, and Dennis Nordman did a little help with them. The art was by Alex Horley and Matt Reisterer. I hope I said that right. Matt is from, uh, I believe he's Back Alley Creations. And the dots and animations, which we're going to talk a lot about when we think about these new games. The dots and animations were done by David Van S. And the software was done by David Fawcett, who's Fosma, right? That's how we know him. And the system is the Pinhex system. Now, Rob Zombies International, here were the prices. The standard was $5,995. The LE was $6,495. They made 300 total games. And if you remember, there were 50 LEs and 250 standard versions of this game. Spooky game number 2.5 was Domino's Spectacular Pinball Adventure. That was designed by Charlie Emery. The art was done by Scott Gullix, who you know him now as the man who is behind Legends of Valhalla. And the cabinet art was done by Blake Dumasnil. The dots and animations in Domino's was done by David Van S. The music was by Chris Brandon, David Fosma, and David Van S. Sound by David Van S. Software by Fosma. And then there were 135 of these games made, and the price was $5,299. Now, if you remember, 
This was a commission game by the Domino's company, and that is why this is not really a spooky original concept. They came to them and asked them to make these games. I'm not even going to talk about the Jetsons that Nick Parks commissioned for Spooky to make, because that doesn't really matter from what I want to talk about. Spooky game number three, Total Nuclear Annihilation. September of 2017. There's not a lot of variety on who was behind this game. Concept, Scott Denisi. Design, Scott Denisi. Dots Animation, again, Dots and Animation, David Van Ness, Matt Andrews. Mechanics by Scott Denisi. Music by Scott Denisi. Sound by Scott Denisi. Software by Scott Denisi, Michael Ocean, and Jimmy Lipfam. Okay, and there were a total of 550 TNAs made, and they were $5,995. Now, you could order it with the butter cabinet, which added $1,000 to it, but we're talking six dollars or $7,000 for a TNA. Spooky game number four, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, June 2018, designed by Charlie Emery, art by Jeff Zorno. Now, what's interesting about Jeff Zorno, if you know this guy, he's the guy that they wanted to do the Godzilla art package. And I think everyone would argue that the Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, to this date, was Spooky's nicest art package. Dots and animations, once again, David Van S. Music by Alice Cooper and Matt Montgomery. Sound by Scott Denisi. Software by David Fawcett, Scott Denisi, and Jimmy Lipfam. And this game used the Multimorphic P3 Rock system. And the MSRP for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle was $6,250, which I think they later changed to $6,450. And there were a total of 500 games made. And I believe with Alice Cooper, there was just one game. There wasn't like Ellie's Bloodsuckers and all this stuff. And you were talking $64.50. And I also believe with Alice Cooper's, you could order the Butter Cabinet and get your game up to $74.50 if you wanted that. Game number five, the one that sold out. Spooky's hottest selling game to date. Rick and Morty, February 2020. Scott Denisi designed it. Dots and Animation, David Van S. again. Mechanics by Scott Denisi. Music by Scott Denisi. Sound by Scott Denisi. Software by Eric Prepke, Bowen Karens, Chris Neitzold, and Jimmy Lipfam. And there were voiceovers by Justin Roiland from the show. And this MSRP for this game was $7,520. Now, they asked for a $1,500 deposit. But if you had all of the options and the butter cabinet, this is what my game total was on Rick and Morty. $9,480 was the total amount of money I sent to Spooky Pinball for my Rick and Morty with butter cabinet. Of the 750 sold, 36 of the standard editions were sold and 714 were the Bloodsucker editions. And then we get to today, Spooky Games number 6 and 7. Seven years after this company's been out, we have Halloween and Ultraman. And these games came out July of 2021. Now, let's talk about Halloween because Ultraman's the same game and I want to keep this focused on Halloween because that's where the majority of the conversation is. That's where the majority of the games sold. And this is the game I want to talk about right now. Game design. Bug and Luke designed this game. Brand new designers into the world of pinball. There's no Charlie Emery, no Scott Denisi, no Dennis Nordman. Bug and Luke. 
Game animations. Who's missing from this list? We don't see David Van Ness as a game animator anymore. It's Ryan Policki. Game code is still David Fosma. We've seen him on a bunch of games. Now, this is interesting. Licensing for this game was David Bunny Yip Van Ness. So why is David Van Ness licensing this game for them, but not doing the animations? Artwork was Jason Edmiston. Rules of this game are by Bug Emery and David Fosma. Engineering is by Spooky Luke. And wiring nasty nuts and bolts, AJ Custom Music, Matt Count D. Montgomery, and Sculpts, Matt Reister. I think I might have had Matt's name wrong. I copied it off of the internet database, so maybe I spelled it wrong. So it's Matt Reister, not Reisterer. Okay, so that's easier to say. Sorry, Matt. The collector's edition of this spooky pinball machine is $8,995 with a non-refundable deposit of $2,000. And if you add a butter cabinet to this machine, you are at pretty much a ten thousand dollar spooky machine the bloodsucker edition is seven thousand nine hundred and ninety five dollars there's a fifteen hundred dollar non-refundable initial deposit and those games are built second now the standard edition of this game is still just six thousand nine hundred and ninety five dollars they are built last and this is a thousand dollar initial payment now that's a big jump right that's a big jump. So Spooky saw what all the other companies were doing. They saw how the whole LE premium and pro model was working for everybody else. And this is pretty much them following suit. And you can't blame them. And they were very smart. And they announced that there were going to be a total of 1,250 Halloweens and 500 Ultramans, which is a huge bump up if you think about it. That is double, double the number of games they made for Rick and Morty. So they either are doubling their staff, their space, their production, because they still want to make all of these games in 18 months. And so now here is where we get to the present day and what I believe is a really important moment in this company's history and an important crossroads for Spooky Pinball. Because I want to start out by saying this. Spooky Pinball has built this company the right way. If you look at the way they've grown, 150 games, then 300 games, then 500 games, then 550 games, then 750 games, then all the way up to 1,750 games. It's even more than double the Rick and Morty. Sorry, it's a 1,000 more games than Rick and Morty. So over this seven-year period, this company has learned how to make pinball machines. They've learned how to improve upon pinball machines. They've learned how to manufacture, which is the hardest thing to do. They've built up their factory in Benton, Wisconsin. They've worked with different people from P-Rock Multimorphic, Ben Heck. They've worked with different animators, different coders, different artists. So there have been a lot of people, Scott Denisi on music, Dennis Nordman giving them advice. There have been a lot of people that have helped Spooky Pinball grow over the years. And now we are at a point where their games are priced pretty much at the same level of Stern Pinball. And now you can even option out their games where their games are pretty much close enough in price to a Stern LE, a Jersey Jack Pinball LE, everything over at American Pinball is the same price, everything over at Chicago Gaming Company is the same price. I mean, you can option out a Halloween with all the bells and whistles to be more expensive than Cactus Canyon Remake LE. 
And because of this now, because Spooky Pinball is priced at the same level as all the other major players in the pinball hobby, we can no longer look at Spooky Pinball like this cute little boutique pinball from Benton, Wisconsin, because now they are priced in the big leagues. And so I think when you start to look at it this way, you have to start to ask yourself, are we getting a game that is worth $9,000, $10,000? Is the theme being integrated into this game the way it should be? Does the game shoot on the same level as a Keith Elwin pin? I think it's fair. I only think it's natural because now they're in the big leagues is that we'd be able to look at Spooky Pinball and analyze Spooky Pinball in the same competitive set of a Stern, of a Jersey Jack, of a Chicago gaming company, of an American Pinball. Why not? My checking account doesn't know the difference between Spooky Pinball and Stern Pinball when a Godzilla LE is basically the same exact price as my Ultraman CE. I mean, it's almost kind of scary that I'm saying that, but that is the truth. But here's the thing I want to talk about today is that Spooky Pinball, while they've been around for seven years, that these titles that just came out are pretty much the first major titles that have been made by Luke and Bug. And so you have two young guys who are throwing their hat into the pinball ring. And I'm fine with that. Like, I have nothing against young talent jumping into the ring. But a lot of the talent that helped Spooky get to this point is very absent from these two games. And I think people are starting to see that. And I think they're starting to notice that. Because the overall climate right now is this. Each and every one of you, and I mean this, each and every one of you, who bought an Ultraman or a Halloween. There are 1,750 of you right now. Each and every one of you is now a guinea pig for Spooky Pinball's new team making these games. You're guinea pigs. And here's the thing that I keep noticing on Pinside, and I want to address this because I think this is an important thing to talk about. I think there is this misconception that just because a company listens and responds, that that equals a game is going to get better. And I wanna talk about that because I think it's very important. I'm gonna tell you right now, honestly, in my profession and in other great products that are out in the world, I don't wanna buy a product and be a guinea pig. I don't wanna buy a product and be a beta tester who's already paid in full. Like all of you are also beta testing this game with the company. I want a product to be beta tested before it's released to the public. I want them to put it through its paces. I want them to call out things that need fixing. I don't think consumers should spend seven to $10,000 on a spooky pinball machine and have to give feedback to them on how to make their own product better. Let me ask all of you a question right now. Do any of you have to give Keith Elwin feedback on how to make Godzilla better? Have any of you ever had to give feedback to Lyman Sheets or Keith Johnson how to code their machines better? I think there is a reality taking shape that these games need work, that they need help. And I think the buyers of the game, especially the Halloween buyers, 
They are huge fans of the property and they need to fall in love with it. They need to tell you the game is great because there is no other Halloween coming out. And I think the fanboys of Halloween, they naturally want to say everything is good and it's going to get even better. And so they're giving feedback and they're like, they're going to take care of it. They're going to make it so much better. And if we look at the history of pinball games that made you wait a long time for stuff, okay? And it's not a lot anymore, right? There are not a lot of companies anymore that make you wait for games to be finished. Jersey Jack doesn't release games unfinished like this anymore. No, they don't. When Guns N' Roses came out, like, it was done. When Willy Wonka came out, it was pretty much done. Sure, they polished it a little bit, but man, they didn't make major changes to the games. Now, we all know what happens with Lyman Sheets games and people wait a long time, but there's only one reason why you are willing to wait for Lyman Sheets to finish his games. It's because of Lyman Sheets. There's no Lyman Sheets over here. Who's the coder out here that's going to make you wait all these months? Recently, Luke said something on Pinside. He says, well, we've got a year to make the game better. And when you hear something like that, I don't understand that. I actually get nervous when a company puts a game into the marketplace and takes your money and over at the company, they're feeling like they have an entire year to get it right. No, that's not how it should be. That is not how it should be. Didn't they have enough time between Rick and Morty and this to make sure this game was further along? And so clearly this is a talent and a resource issue. But that attitude that we're going to put hundreds of games into people's homes without them being finished and we're going to ask you for a non-refundable deposit before you know if the game's even good, before if we even know the game's even good and simply because we're transparent and we're listening to you and we're telling you we're going to get it right. We're going to hire more people. This is what they're saying. We're going to hire more people and we're going to get it right. We have a year to make this game right. That year should have started a year ago before you put the game out in the world. Because again, this isn't Lyman Sheets on code. It's not Keith Johnson. There's no veterans on this. This is, this is the first time Bug is doing a rule set with Phosma. And the other big thing that happened yesterday that people found out for the first time, we can't not talk about this, is Bowen Karens let people know that he's had nothing to do with this game. And when people were told that this game was coming out at the very beginning, Spooky Pinball said that Bone Karens would be working on or consulting on the rule set of this game. I want to read for you what Bowen Karens said. He said, to clarify two things. First, the description of Rick and Morty is just about right on. Eric, besides writing 100% of the code, worked very closely with me and wrote many of the rules. He is outstanding, detail-oriented, fast, accurate, and he knows how to make pinball fun. Eric is a huge reason why Rick and Morty is a great pinball machine. Second, I no longer work with Spooky Pinball. The first time I saw the layout, the art, and the rules for Halloween and Ultraman was the first time you saw it publicly. After it was revealed, I gave Spooky some advice on what they could or should do with these games based on video. I have not played either game at all, and I have not seen my suggestions implemented. What they do with my advice is entirely their decision. I am not involved in any way. That is not what I would have preferred, but that is what they chose. I mean, we could just hard stop right there. Is that what you want to read from Bowen Karens? Like, this sounds like that was a bad breakup and a bad exit. 
He goes on to say that he'll root for Spooky Team and Charlie, but man, I don't care about that final paragraph. The one before it is pretty damning. The one before it speaks volumes. So he's not involved with this game. David Van Ness is not involved with animations, and he's been on so many animations with them. Scott Denisi is nowhere near this game with music, and he's such a great musical engineer. Where is his help on these games? And so seven years in, seven years in, here's what I think is happening with these games. I think after seven years, and at this price point, what you really wanted to see was all of the talented people that have helped Spooky get to this point be on the field for these games. But they're missing. David Van Ness, missing. Bowen Cairns, missing. Scott Denisi, missing. And so what we have is we have Fosma, but I think Fosma's underwater right now because now he's got to do two games. He's got to do two games with a team that's pretty new. Lots of people that are just learning this for the first time. And as they're learning how to do this for the first time, they're already shipping games. Games are in customer homes. They clearly, clearly have never had to do something like this before. Let me explain another big challenge for Spooky. They've never had to take a movie and make it into a pinball machine ever before. This is their first time working with licensed assets from a movie like the first two Halloween films. Can you imagine how hard that is to understand how to now, for the first time ever, take movie clips, take animations, take rule sets, put them all together for the first time ever. They've never done this before. And all of this is a learning experience. And that's where all of you are at right now who are buying these games. You bought in as beta testers as they learn how to do this. And I don't think any of this is unfair. I think all of you knew all of this. And Spooky's a company that has amazing goodwill. A lot of the reasons why everyone loves to go in on a Spooky game is we love their story, right? They, they went from nothing to something. They grew this company the American way. They grew it the right way. They've never ripped anyone off. They never went against their word. They never made more LEs after they sold 750 Rick and Mortys. They've been a company of their word. But at this price point now, this is the crossroads of Spooky Pinball right now. They are priced in the big leagues. And my main question I have, I think they need to invest in more talent and they need to get more people into this company and they need to spend money to get those people. And when I look at who's on this list of who's making this game, I don't think they're doing that. I don't think they're going out and getting a better animator. Look at the animations in everyone else's games at this price point. Brand new game designers, right? I wish Bug and Luke the best, but for the same price of the game they design, you can buy a game designed by Pat Lawler, a game designed by Eric Minier, a game designed by Keith Elwin, a game designed by George Gomez, a game designed by John Borg, a game designed by Dennis Nordman. I mean, when you stop looking at each pinball machine in a vacuum and you say to yourself, I have nine to $10,000 to spend on any pinball out in the world, any pinball out in the world, when you start to look at it through that lens, you start to get more clarity and you come back down to reality. Is this game good enough? for a nine to $10,000 pinball experience? Does it have enough? And that's up to each and every one of you to figure out. But when you start to ask questions like, 
If Stern Pinball or Jersey Jack Pinball made Halloween, and this was how they made Halloween, and this is how they theme integrated Halloween, would you be happy? And if the answer is no, then why are you happy that it comes from spooky this way? And that's the very root of where the apologist mindset comes from, that I'm not going to look at this company the same way I look at that company, but I'm tired of looking at it like that. Money is money, people. Money is money. Let me use a car argument. If you're shopping for a $100,000 car, do you say to yourself, well, if that car is $100,000 and it's way nicer than this other car that's $100,000, am I willing to accept the car that's not as good because it comes from a mom and pop company? No, that's not how you would ever do it. So why do we do it now in pinball? So what I'm suggesting to Spooky is this. You're now in the big leagues. You got to get the talent up. You got to get your games to market in a way that's much more polished than this. You can't make your customers be beta testers. You can't make them be guinea pigs. The most important word that Spooky Pinball needs to invest in now starts with the letter T. And they've been doing one T word for a very long time. And it's built them a ton of goodwill in the hobby. A ton of goodwill. But now they need to focus on a different T word. The T word they've used for so many years is transparency, but all the transparency in the world is not better than the next T word, which is the one they need to invest in, and that is talent. They need to invest in talent. I don't want to. I don't want to have to tell a pinball company when I spend $9,000 how to make the game better. I don't want to have to tell a pinball company when I spend $9,000 that they need to put more of the movie into the game. I don't want to have to tell a pinball company when I spend $9,000 that it doesn't say hedge multi-ball. It needs to say hedge multi-ball when it lights up. I don't want to have to do this stuff. I want to buy a game. I want to buy a toy. And I mean this for all manufacturers. I don't want to wait for them to finish the game when it's in my living room or in my arcade. These games should be launched finished. They should be launched when they're done. And any other way is just an excuse. It's just an excuse. And I get it. If Stern has four to five games a year, like I understand why Stern games have a little bit of a code way to go. I understand that. And everyone understands, well, if Stern's doing this much, then we can give them a break, but they're going to get that game to 1.0 within a year. But they've got four to five games in development. Jersey Jack Pinball is much like Spooky. They focus on one game at a time, and that is why Jersey Jack games, they come out finished. So there's no excuse. There is no excuse that you can't release a game in much better shape than this because what else have you been working on? It's not like you've got four to five games, and maybe instead of making 1,750 games, maybe instead of increasing your manufacturing by 1,000 units, You should have staffed up more in the animation department, in the coding department, and maybe went from 750 games to just a thousand games because now you've put so much pressure on manufacturing, but you didn't invest in the other areas and it's showing and it's showing and you're building the ship in the ocean now. And for the fans out there, I get it. I can hear them all crying already, but man, I understand you love Halloween. I understand it. But this isn't how it should be. And I would give this advice to any pinball company that does it this way. 
And I'm still friends with the family over at Spooky. I'm still friends with this company. I actually want this company to be successful. And I don't think they're hearing anything they don't know. And maybe the biggest challenge, and I've heard this, some of the biggest challenge for them will be getting talent if they want it in-house to go to Benton, Wisconsin. That's the hardest part. That is always the hardest part when you are in a more obscure location to get talent to go there. But the good news is you don't have to live in Benton, Wisconsin to do code. You don't have to live in Benton, Wisconsin to do animations. So there is no excuse. Like the Jersey Jack animator is all the way over in Europe. So you can have those people be anywhere, but design, yes, the design people need to be at the location. We know that. So this is where Spooky's at right now. And I see a mixture of people canceling orders, of some people saying the game is great, it's only gonna get better. I see Spooky Luke saying they're hiring more people and they have a year to finish these games. And there's just a lot of talk. And I don't want there to be a lot of talk and speculation and head scratching on which direction Pinball Machine's going. I want all these games to come out done. Shouldn't that be something that as a community, we put the pressure on pinball machines to only release a game when it's good enough to be released. And I don't think there's anyone out there, anyone out there who got this game Halloween on day one that can honestly unbox it and say, this game was good enough to ship to customers this way. And you know it deep down inside, and I get if you're a Halloween fan, you're gonna overlook a lot. And I'm not a huge Halloween fan. I didn't even go down the road of like how Halloween might be a really hard theme and a really hard license to nail because the main character is this silent guy that just walks at you with a butcher knife. Like maybe that's not the easiest game to make into a pinball machine, and it's not, right? So you take into account, you've got a hard subject matter. You've got guys that haven't done this before. And yet somehow the apologists think if you put all of that in a blender, it's just going to be amazing in the end. And I don't know, maybe I'm not the eternal optimist in this hobby. And maybe at these high prices, I'm being a little bit more critical. But man, nine to $10,000, I want everything that I want in these games. And I don't want to be your beta tester. And I don't want to be your guinea pig. I want to unbox my toys when they're finished. I want to buy my cars when they drive right. I want to put a Rolex on my wrist when it tells time perfectly, okay? And maybe that's just Canada. Everybody, this has been episode 625. Canada out. Ah!